0: ...fair and well-built, with a broad face and keen dark brown eyes. Years of ceaseless campaigning had left their mark on his constitution, and he looked older than his years. Known for his personal vanity, he kept his thinning hair neatly trimmed and his face shaved. According to gossip, he was also in the habit of depilating his pubic hair. The senators, who had been standing around talking, walked into the hall ahead of Caesar, but one of them came up to him and engaged him briefly in animated conversation. Meanwhile, Mark Antony, the dictator's right-hand man, was detained in an ante-room by someone with urgent business. Caesar was moving away from his litter when a teacher of public speaking whom he knew, a certain Artimidorus, confronted him. He handed over a note, which he said should be read immediately. The dictator was struck by the urgency in a man's voice, and kept the letter in his hand, though the pressure of the occasion put the document out of his mind, and he was never to read it. Most senators settled down on their benches, but a number stood around Caesar's gilded ceremonial chair. As an elder statesman, Cicero had a place of honour on a front bench. Meanwhile, outside the theatre, further sacrifices were being conducted. Once more, the slaughtered victims revealed unfavourable signs, and more animals had to be brought forward, one after another to see if better omens could be found. Caesar, losing patience, turned away and faced west, supposedly an unlucky direction. A religious official who had previously warned him that the Ides of March would bring danger caught Caesar's eye. Caesar remarked, jokingly, Where are your predictions now? The day you were afraid of has come, and I'm still alive. Yes, come, but not yet gone, was the dry reply. The dictator was again on the point of calling off the sitting when attendants announced that the Senate was ready. One of his staff intervened. Come on, my dear fellow, there's no time for this nonsense. Don't put off the important business which you and this great assembly need to deal with. Make your own power an auspicious omen. He led Caesar by the hand into the crowded chamber. On the dictator's appearance, everyone stood up. The men gathered round his chair, closed in on him as he sat down. Cicero had a perfect view of what happened next. A senator called Tilius Simba grabbed Caesar's purple toga like a suppliant, preventing him from standing up or using his hands. Caesar was furious. "'Why, this is violence!' he shouted. "'What are you waiting for, friends?' "'cried Tilius, pulling the toga away from Caesar's neck. "'Publius Servilius Casca, who was standing behind the chair, "'aimed a blow at Caesar's throat. "'But Caesar, well known for his lightning reactions, "'wrenched his toga from Tillius's grasp, "'and the blow miscarried, only wounding him in the chest. "'Then, springing from his seat, "'he whirled round to grab Casca's hand "'and rammed his writing stylus into his arm.' The man yelled in Greek to his brother standing nearby, who drove a dagger into Caesar's side, which was exposed in the act of turning. The senators in the body of the hall were in a state of shock. Only two of them tried to intervene, but they were driven off. No one else moved to help the stricken man. Given no forewarning of what was to happen, Cicero saw to his astonishment that one of his closest friends— Marcus Brutus was leading the blood-stained throng as it hacked and thrust at his victim. Cassius, who gave Caesar a glancing blow across the face, was in the melee too. Clearly, there had been a conspiracy, and equally clearly and hurtfully, Cicero hadn't been invited to join it. Caesar kept twisting from side to side, bellowing like a wild animal— he was cut in the face and deep under one flank. The assassins accidentally stabbed one another rather than their target, and it almost looked as if they were fighting among themselves. Then Brutus wounded Caesar in the groin. The dying man gasped, You too, my.